Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. Um, we're continuing to filter our way, both Pierre Lebrun and Elliot Friedman. At uh, 12.34 in Edmonton, reporting that Vladimir Tarasenko of the Blues will be eating 50% of his salary. Of course, Tarasenko and Mikla uh, going from St. Louis to the Rangers. Uh, Sammy Blaze will be one of the players going back, along with a uh, prospect by the last name of Skinner, who's uh, actually more of a suspect at this stage. There's got to be some decent picks involved in that trade. There's no way I'd be stunned if there's not a, potentially a first-rounder uh, going. Oh, here it is right here. Condition on the first-round pick this year going to the Blues. Latest of the two first-round picks the Rangers have. They've got their owns or Dallas's Blues get the later of the two. So there you go. First-rounder, we mentioned, if you listen to the show 15 minutes ago, that uh, the Rangers had the extra number one. A lot of people thought that number one was going to be for Patrick Kane. Others thought it might be for Timo Meyer. To me, that's a sign that the Rangers are out on Meyer. And um, I'm not sure where it's all going to go in Kane. I will tell you this. Tarasenko has been traded. Barbashev's getting traded between now and the deadline. It's going to happen. Okay? There's, you can take it to the bank. Uh, 12.35 in Edmonton. Going to tell you that guests and orders now receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Next week, February 11th to the 15th, is Valentine's Week at Roos Chris. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue and tell Chris and Chef Eltaf that orders now sent you. As we head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline, and welcome back to the show, courtesy of GCL Diesel, providing genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices since 1972. GCLDiesel.com. I've not seen Louis DeBrusque. I don't think he's in our hotel uh, here in Philadelphia. Louis, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Bob. Yeah, we haven't uh, we haven't crossed paths much on this trip thus far. I'm sure that'll change in the next few days as we move on on this trip. But yeah. Um, Laying pretty low. I know you're a busy guy, and I've been too busy chasing down uh, Philly cheesesteaks, trying to find the best one in Philly since we're only here once a year. Yeah, we I've, went out I've, to... I, I, I've had a few. <laughs> You've had a few. Well, you... uh, we went out to uh, Saloon last night. It was an Italian steakhouse in, uh, little, in the Little Italy part of uh, Philadelphia. We should mention here, you would know that the Eagles are in the Super Bowl based on being in Philadelphia because it's all in. Louis, was this one of your favorites to play, places to play back in the day, or was could this be a little bit intimidating? <laughs> Certainly intimidating. We were having that conversation yesterday. Uh, we went out to Voorhees and watched the, the Flyers skate. and You know, with some of the, the Philadelphia media just saying, you know, coming coming into Philly in the old spectrum, it was an intimidating building. There's no question about it. They had always, the Broad Street Bullies, I mean, they, they earned their reputation. They earned their name. And that kind of carried on for a lot of years. And even up to this stage um, where we are now in 2023, the Philadelphia Flyers lead the NHL in fighting majors. So this is an organization that's always prided themselves at playing a certain way. They have a certain identity, and they're trying to get back to that under the John Tortorella. And you know what? As of late, they've been kind of grinding out, and they're a team that's not going to be easy tonight. But certainly uh, back in the day coming into the old spectrum was uh, you better buckle up because it was going to be a long night. It was going to be a hard night, and it certainly was. Uh, I, I had this conversation. Paul Coffey took the bus with us over to the uh, over to the rink this morning, uh, just about Eric Lindros. And, you know, he played with Eric for a couple of years. You played against Eric. I, I, I find it interesting because um, in my mind, it wasn't close 
for about four or five years who was the best player in the NHL. I know we've talked a bit about this in the past, but um, he was pretty damn special back in the day, wasn't he? <laughs> Just uh, the first time really, I guess, in the modern game that we'd seen that combination of size and skill and speed. You know, he had everything. He was a tremendously skilled offensive player, but he also had a mean streak in him. He was a huge human being. He was a man-child coming into the league. And, you know, I, you and I talked about it the other day. If you would have gone, if you go back and look at some of the hits that he had in his first couple of years, there's, there's, there was actually a video I saw. Now, this was a long time ago, but it was a video of the hits that he had in his first couple of seasons. And he was steamrolling the biggest guys in the league. Biggest defense in the league that would try and stand up to him on the line, coming over the line. He just steamrolled right over him. And, uh, you know, obviously we know about the battles that he had with Scott Stevens before the incident and after the incident, obviously, uh, the couple times that he was hit by him. But, um, yeah, he was uh, he was a rare, a rare find in the sense that he could kind of do it all. And uh, the only thing that I think that uh, he didn't do is win a Stanley Cup. Almost, he got there, lost four straight, but uh, did get the team to the Stanley Cup. And, uh on a, on a valiant run, but uh, I agree with you, Bob. I, I'm, I'm one of the few that uh, agrees immediately with you because I got to go up against him in junior, too. He was with the Oshawa Generals. They won the Memorial Cup that year, and our assignment when we played against Oshawa was trying to shut him down in his line, and we did okay in London. The, the one game we played them in London, when we went back to Oshawa, they laid a beating on us, and uh, he was just, he was, it was incredible, and he was the one guy that I told you earlier that even the tough guys in the league as an offensive player, the tough guys in the league were very aware of because he was that, that big and strong that he could hurt you in a fight. So you knew that if you were going to get into it with Eric Lindros, you better be ready because he could throw you around. All right. We're just going to circle back. Uh, Frank Cervalli, who, again, we had on the show uh, on every Tuesday, uh, courtesy of the horses and horse race in Alberta. Here is the full trade involving Tarasenko and Nico Mikola. Uh, they go to the New York Rangers. The Blues get a 2023 uh, first-round pick again. Uh, the Rangers have two. It'll be the latter of either the Rangers or the Dallas Stars first-round pick. Uh, the Rangers got the uh, Stars first-rounder when they uh, sent uh, the prospect defenseman the Lindquist over to uh, from uh, New York uh, to Dallas. Uh, so a first round pick, Sammy Blaze. That'll be a bit of a contract up. Hunter Skinner, who I think uh, this is being done just so it's two contracts one way, two contracts the other. A 2024th fourth round pick, and then the Blues are also retaining half of the Tarasenko 7.5 million dollar cap hit. So the Rangers have added Tarasenko up front and Nico Mikola on defense. Uh, Patrick Kane's had some hip issues that's got the concern. A lot of people thought Kane was going to the Rangers to play with Panarin. A lot of people thought the Rangers were going to be in on Timo Meyer. Louie, I'm going to get you to put your analyst at Tarasenko and Mikola go from St. Louis to the Rangers. The Blues get a first, uh, a D-grade prospect in Hunter Skinner because he's played in the East Coast this year. Sammy Blaze, who's a third liner, I guess, at best, and a fourth rounder. Your thoughts on that trade? Yeah, you know, um, it's been talked about for a while about Tarasenko. I mean, he's been, he, he was a, a player that asked for a trade, actually, but then was able to reconcile play for the Blues. And obviously, uh, there's been talk again this year that he was going to be moved. And uh, when you look at where they are uh, in the standings, they're, they're on the outside looking in with teams in between them to get to that spot. Not an easy task, not an easy grind to get up in the Western Conference with teams that are winning right now as they have all year long and really keeping it tight in the top eight. 
I think this is St. Louis kind of saying, yeah, they're they're in a little bit of a transition right now, and they're going to dump some salary. They're going to reset, and uh, that's how I see it. this. New York Rangers are a team that want to go for it. They're a team that, you know, last year got to the conference final, lost to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, I think that they've underperformed this year to this point in the season, but they found their game as of late. And uh, you know what? They're a team that now sees that light at the end of the tunnel, want to bolster up. They get a, a real elite goal scorer in the trade. I don't think they gave it up a ton to get him. And for Mikola, for me, he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. This is a guy that I've always had time for. You know, he's a real rangy defenseman that can really defend. Uh, he moves well. I think he's only going to add to a defense corner in New York that is already a strong back end. It just makes him stronger. I think this is a very good trade for the Rangers right now, um, trying to get what they want him to uh, um add to their team down the stretch and for the St. Louis Blues they get a couple of young players, well not young, Blay isn't a young player, he won the Cup in 19 with St. Louis so he goes back to the team where he's won a championship and I agree with you, this is contracts in, contracts out type of situation and they get a first a first rounder so uh, yeah, that's about all I can really sum up it's exactly how it looks all right, and again, Barbashev's going to get traded too. I know that. It's happening. In fact, he was offered here this summer. Uh, I would tell but, you too uh, that Barbashev's no going to be a player that will draw some interest. Yeah. Some, some real good interest, I, mean, he, I think. And, yeah, he's a, he's a very he a good year, as you know, player. last year. Yeah. Yep. All right, Lou, the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, let me ask you this: the team's eight zero and one in the last nine games, twenty six to twenty eight on the PK. They're the highest scoring team in the NHL at three point seven six goals per game. They're plus nine in goals differential when McDavid and Drysaddle are not on the ice, after being minus twenty two to minus twenty nine in the three previous years. Is this a different Edmonton Oilers team that we're watching now um, than maybe what a lot of people thought? Yes and no. I think we, we've seen this build for the last few years, so I don't want to say this is, you know, I'm not really shocked by that, to be honest with you, Bob. I think this team's been trending the right way for years now, and it takes time to develop that identity and play the right way. Um, Personnel is a lot of it. Um, they've got some great contributions down their lineup as of late, and that's a good thing. I, it's a necessary thing. I, I, it was absolutely necessary that different people started to contribute, started to find their way, and started to create more of a matchup problem for the opposition. Defensively, we can start with goaltending. That's been much, much better. And Jack Campbell obviously has really found his game, which is great to see for him. Stuart Skinner held the fort and played tremendous when when Campbell was working on his game. So they've got two goaltenders right now that are playing well, which is, I mean, that's exactly what you're looking for from an organization is to have depth of goaltender. Both guys you feel very comfortable to throw between the pipes. The defense is, for me, is where I think they've really tightened up. And I'm not just saying defensemen in particular and just defensemen. I'm saying defensive game as a whole. There was certainly an emphasis that's been put on that in the last few years. And this year, after the start they had, the talk you could just hear it from Jay Woodcroft, from Dave Manson, from the entire coaching staff, the the defensive part of their game had to get better. They had to get harder to play against. They had to get stingier. They had to stop giving up as many great aids as they were early in the season. And that has improved. And that's, for me, been the biggest adjustment that we've seen in this team, which allows them to weather some storms, to make a few mistakes, but still get by. And we know they're going to be a team that can score. They're an offensive team and it's never been a problem to put the puck in the back of the net. 
the problems have always been, can they keep the puck out of their net? Can they defend well enough to go up against the best teams in the league? I think if you look at the games in which they played against the best teams this year, uh, they've really buckled down and are able to play that type of a game. It really brings the best out of them instead of the worst, which is a good sign. But, uh, no, I'm not surprised. I'm truly not surprised because I know there was a lot of expectations on this team coming into the season. Rightfully so, when you go to a conference final the way they did, they lost to the eventual Stanley Cup champions. There's going to be even more expectation coming into the season. Did they live up to that early on? Maybe not. But I don't remember there ever being a panic inside that room. I think they just continued to methodically go about trying to find that game again, trying to tweak the things they need to work on, and it's still a process, and they'll do that the entire season and even into the playoffs. So, yeah, I think it's good where they are. I think they're playing their best hockey right now. Uh, they are playing some weaker teams, and when I say weaker teams that are down in the standings, I don't think there's any weak teams in the league because any night anybody can win. But I think if you look at the schedule early on, and you and I have talked about this a lot, they had some tough matchups, some tough schedules. They weathered that storm, and now this is time of the year where they can make some noise and climb up the ladder a little bit more if they do their part and bring their game each and every night. And, uh, yeah, that's how I see it. Jay Woodcroft, one-year anniversary tomorrow. The Oilers are 55-27-7 and under Woodcroft. That's a 657 points percentage. It's fourth in the NHL during that time. Uh, they got the number one offense in the league under Woodcroft at 3.79 goals per game. And the number one penalty uh, power play in the league at almost 29% under Woodcroft. Now, their power play was good, 25-plus percent the three previous years. Uh, you know, on this heater here of late, 8-0-1, they're outscoring teams 45-21, to and they lead the NHL again at 3.76 goals per game and 31.8% on the power play. Has Jay Woodcroft been the right guy at the right place at the right time for the Edmonton Oilers, Louie? Oh, I think so. Yeah, you know, I... Uh, no question for me. I, I think that he came in and... Uh, you know, unfortunately, how it ended with Dave Tippett. But, you know, sometimes just you need a different voice. You need a different perspective. You need someone to come in and not, I would, I would say, not necessarily for um, from the coach's aspect, but from the player's aspect, it's always shocking when a coach gets fired. It doesn't matter what you feel about the coach or how you ha- what your relationship is with that head coach, respectively, when there's a change like that. It doesn't just ripple through the dressing room. It's, it's like, you know, you're ripping a band-aid off it's been on for a long time and it's 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 never comfortable so what it does is it everybody's attention span narrows to focus on exactly what they need to do to be better individually number one to help the team number two and i think that's what's happened i think it's really uh you know driven home that mentality for especially the core group here that's been through some coaches and especially Ryan Nugent Hopkins who's the longest tenured oiler he's seen this happen all too many times and I think this time they're like okay um, we have to look in the mirror we have to be better I think the team has been better and I just I, I like the way the coaching staff goes about business I, I just think that they have a good uh, rapport with the players I think that every single coach has their uh, respective roles and they all kind of bounce things off of one another and that's how a coaching staff should be very open in that regard and uh the team is bought in which is great so yeah to answer your question a long-winded answer i think he is the right choice louie great stuff we'll see you uh in about uh let's see it's 249 uh, we'll see you in about three hours sounds good bud
That is Louis DeBras from NHL Hockey and Rogers for our friends at GCL Diesel, providing genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices since 1972. GCLDiesel.com. All right, do want to mention to you, we're going to get into the orders now injury report. It's brought to you all season long by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. In theory, Connor Yamamoto was available this weekend, the Montreal game to be specific, to come off of LTIR. But the Oilers would have to make a couple of moves if that were the case. So I can tell you Yamamoto looks um, quite fresh and has a lot of energy in practice. Not out of the realm of possibilities, the Oilers delay until Wednesday to activate Yamamoto only in the sense that they're going to have to do probably one, if not two moves in order to facilitate getting uh, cap compliant if they do activate Yamamoto, and that might involve the likes of a Pugliarvi, potentially, or a Devon Shore. So we will continue to monitor that carrying forward. 12.50 in Edmonton. When we come back, uh, we'll get to a couple of your texts, and then we are going to get into Oilers game day trivia for Pro-Am Sports. This is going to test you. We're not going to do easy trivia that any guy can win. Okay, You're going to need to know your stuff. When we return on Oilers Now. Oilers Game Day Trivia, it's brought to you by ProAmSports.ca online and in Edmonton on St. Albert Trail. Today, we'll mention is the deadline to submit an order for the Dylan Holloway private signing. Head to ProAmSports.ca for details. Uh, ProAm Sports has uh, several private signings. They just finished one up with Evander Kane and Stuart Skinner. Uh, Dylan Holloway private signing. Uh, the order again uh, deadline is today. It's got a future one coming for Ryan Nugent Hopkins as well. Here it is. If you knew anything about uh, Major Junior Hockey in the early 1980s, you might have a chance to get this. Or for that matter, the American League. So I'm giving you a hint. Name the Alberta product who was a black belt and used it on the ice. He played... He was one of the smallest players in the American Hockey League at the time. was a pretty good AHL player, a second-line scorer. And he played on a line with Dave Brown. They had the smallest and biggest player in the uh, Flyers organization back in the early 80s. This guy was out of uh, uh, out of Alberta and uh, on more than one occasion flipped players uh, on the ice onto their back uh, during the ca- case of line brawls. Five foot six. Undersized, five foot six. Former Western Hockey League player, hard-nosed, and uh, had a very good American Hockey League career for a number of years. Very good AHL career. 780-496-0063. He was known more as a player than he was as a fighter. But let's just say more than one or two guys that would later go on to be NHL Secondary tough guys got dropped on their ass by this guy. This guy could look after himself. In the Alberta product, a black belt, five foot six, that was completely willing to take care of business himself. You can text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. We'll announce the winner. We do have a winner. Someone's got it. When we return uh, on orders now, after we head off to a global news weather traffic update uh, with Eileen Bell, uh, we're going to get the Philadelphia story coming up with Olivier, Olivier uh, Reiner when we return.